0: Welcome to the Teachers to Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Dean. This is the podcast where we tell you how you can grow your tech skills, whether you're starting from scratch or just want to go farther. You might be thinking about a new job, a whole new career, or just a new hobby. We'll have something for everyone, so keep listening. Welcome to the second season of Teachers to Tech. We've got some great topics lined up for this season, but let's just reintroduce the podcast before we get started. Teachers to Tech was started especially for teachers because I've become aware of a lot of teachers who'd like to move outside of the K-12 environment for work. They might want to add a few technical skills to their resume and just need a way to get started. For that reason, many of our episodes are teaching segments, introducing basics of some kind of technology and we offer resources for everyone who wants to learn more. Now, hopefully you realize that, well, that approach would work for many more people than just teachers. I do sometimes use examples that are specifically relatable, especially to teachers. But otherwise, this is a great podcast for anyone who wants to ease into using more technology and to showing it on a resume. Remember that you can always use the feedback form on the Tech Migration website to let us know what topics you would like to hear of as well. Of course, that link will be in the show notes. This episode will take a very different approach to the how-to episodes of Season 1. The reason is that we're going to be talking about a collaborative approach to learning and a wide range of topics that can be covered by that approach. We also can't boil down this item to one name because there are more multiple ways that we can refer to these items and what I'm talking about is hackerspaces or what some people call makerspaces because they don't like the connotations of hacking Um, but that means something like fixing something or changing something to suit you it does not mean breaking into people's computers as often as people think makerspaces are created by people who want to share their skills and they want to mentor others They work in what you could think of as a workshop on steroids. You'd be amazed at all the different equipment, tools, supplies you'll find in a single makerspace. These will often operate as clubs or co-ops, and there will be common property that consists of items like computers or electronics, workshops, CNC routers, 3D printers, power tools. I've even seen arc welders and auto hoists for oil changes in at least one of these so, these spaces are places where people can gather to create, they can build things, modify things, and teach each other. And a lot of times the learning is project based or it's offered in a structured class. One of the maker spaces near me resuscitated a discarded drink vending machine for their own use, including repairing the refrigeration system and the embedded device that controls the, the movement. Another one in my area offers minor repairs on small appliances, on power tools, furniture, toys, and other things like that, just as a public service. There's a certain night of the week you can walk in and ask for them to attempt a repair for you. Now, when you hear all this, you're thinking, well, I don't have these skills, so how am I going to be able to participate in that? But that wouldn't be in the spirit of the spaces. By design, these are learning communities, and those of all skill levels are welcome to come as guests or to join as members. Before you join a makerspace, you'll want to check it out. The space you want to learn about may very well have open hours or visitor hours posted on their website. Be sure to contact them before you visit to make sure that nothing has changed. You can expect to be guided through the space on a tour and get introduced to whatever members are present. This is the time to find out about membership privileges and responsibilities. A lot of these spaces operate as cooperatives, so don't be surprised if you're expected to participate in maintaining the facility. One location actually posts that members take turns turn cleaning the toilet. During your visit, you may very well want to meet the members with similar interests to yours. Your hosts will show off current projects or capabilities they're especially proud of. For instance, if they have just purchased a new 3D printer, they may show it off and have a few sample designs on display. If 3D printing happens to be your area of interest, you might ask whether your membership dues would cover the cost of filament or whether help is available with designs for your first project. And of course, this would apply to any type of project that would involve consumable supplies where you might be expected to at least bear part of the cost of those supplies. Now. If you know that you want to learn, but you aren't sure where to start, you could look into classes at your local makerspace. If they don't have one in your area of interest, you might be able to meet with a member individually to get a look at one of their projects. You might even be able to cut your teeth helping with something the organization is involved with. A couple of subjects you might want to start with would be basic electrical and electronic skills such as soldering, using a multimeter, understanding the basics of circuits, Or you might want to start with computer skills, such as basic programming or computer building. I know that you can learn just about anything from YouTube, and that's fine as far as it goes, but there's no substitute for having someone beside you mentoring you and watching your progress. Have you ever watched a set of instructions on video that you didn't completely understand? Then you know what I mean. You watch it over and over again, hoping that you'll finally get it, and then you post a comment hoping that... Whoever posted the video will answer you and explain, or that somebody else will answer your comment, but you may not get an answer in time to help you out. So this is one reason why makerspaces have such an advantage. If this all sounds good to you, then you may be wondering how to get involved in a makerspace. Of course, the first step is to find one. My research turned up about 110 listed in the United States and plenty located around the world. If you want to search for one near you, the easiest way to do it is to visit wiki.hackerspaces.org. And I'm going to put a link in the show notes, of course, so you'll be able to use that to get right to there. The wiki contains a directory that includes information like website URLs and other contact information for various spaces that you'll see listed there. And once you find a space you want to visit, you can probably follow the information on their website to get started. They will generally post the open hours and their visitor hours. If you'd like a little bit more background before you show up, you will usually find that as well. Now, if you want a general background about these spaces, I found an old article on lifehacker.com that will tell you about Hack Spaces and how to get involved. And that's a really long link. I'm not going to read it off to you here, but I am going to put that in the show notes as well. Now to cap off this episode, because we have enough time, I'm going to get into some related topics, either organizations or movements that you can get involved with that'll take you farther into the maker type mindset, give you more opportunities for learning and help you kind of get involved in promoting these things in your community. One of the reasons, of course, we want to do this is to build up our own learning and maybe to become a thought leader in our area, but also because it's kind of important that we keep up competencies like manufacturing and hands-on work in our own areas and in our own country. And so you can be a part of that movement. When we come back, we'll get into those items. First topic I want to bring to you is Nation of Makers. Now, Nation of Makers is a nonprofit organization. It's dedicated to supporting and connecting the maker movement in the U.S., Makers can be individuals, they're working in local communities sometimes, and they're creating, they're innovating, they're tinkering, they may take existing items that are commercial and hack them so that they work differently or they have improvements. But various projects and technologies all fall under this umbrella. While well, Nation of Makers provides resources for these people, advocacy for them, and a platform where they can work together. They can share knowledge, they can promote DIY movements and making culture. The organization kind of tries to foster that creativity and give a place for education and promote it. It does also include entrepreneurship within its purview. So that means that those people who say, I either want to be working as a consultant or I want to create something for sale can also feel supported. Of course, I will have a link in the show notes so that you can find Nation of Makers. Next up is a series of events called Maker Fairs, That's spelled F-A-R-E. Now, Maker Fairs are annual events, and they're part of a global movement that celebrates do-it-yourself culture. It's a gathering, and inventors, tinkerers, artists, crafters, engineers, and hobbyists can come together and showcase what they're doing. Notice it includes artists, So you might be at one booth and see somebody working with an Arduino or some other kind of electronic technology, and the next booth could be somebody who is working with costuming. But this is a place to share passions for making things. They can feature just about anything. I've kind of mentioned these, but just to hit a list I've got here, workshops, activities, robotics to electronics, arts and crafts will all be going on in the same workspace. These events are going to be about hands-on learning, and they will spotlight creativity and innovation in ways that are going to inspire you. These are held at various locations around the world, and they are a great place to connect with others or just to take away some ideas. They're sponsored by an organization I'll tell you about a little bit, but I want to tell you that, of course, I will have a link in the show notes. That will allow you to figure out where the Maker fairs are in your area or if there isn't one, how to get one started. Behind Maker Faire is Make.co and that is the official website for Maker Faire and the organization behind it. And that's all about, as I said, celebrating and showcasing creativity, innovation, and the do-it-yourself spirit. Maker Faire events happen regularly but in different locations, so you kind of have to watch for one to come to your area. When you get to the website for the organization, you'll find that there are all kinds of resources out there, some that require a higher level of membership, some that are free. But there are things such as projects out there you can look at, there is community where you can interact with people, and of course, you can keep track of where all the Maker fairs are that are going on. But there's a lot out there, oh, didn't mention. There's even shopping out there. So if you haven't gotten started yet with your own little electronics lab, you'll find some great stuff out there that you can work with, hands-on, simplistic, so that you can learn in a very structured way, bit by bit. Of course, check the show notes for the URL for that site. Mm A related item that I think you're all going to be happy to hear about and that is the right to repair movement. Now the right to repair movement is based on the fact that we know there's such a thing as planned obsolescence, right? How many of you have picked up a little piece of handheld electronics and said, I think I just need to change out the battery on this only to find out that if it even had screws anywhere you could take the back off with, those screws used something like a funky head that needed a hexagon or pentagon or star or dodectahedron or USS Enterprise shaped head. And you said, well, I don't have the right tools for this. Now I can't do anything about it. I either have to throw it away or pay somebody to fix it. And the right to repair movement is the idea that no, this shouldn't be. There is even a right to repair manifesto and don't worry, it's nothing like Unabomber-ish, right? It just simply says, hey, consumers should be able to fix the stuff they buy themselves. I give you an example that is a good example. I have a string trimmer by a well-known company and it is known also that the carburetors sometimes get clogged or whatever other faults come up in the I take the cover off of this string trimmer after a couple years of use. I take two screws out of that string trimmer and my whole carburetor comes off and I can replace the thing for under $20. In five minutes, I've got that thing working again. Now, that would be an example of respect for that right to repair movement. This is a general movement and it is kind of an attitude of consumers pushing back and say, I don't want to have to buy a whole new this- every time this breaks. I don't want to send this out to a dump somewhere as e-waste. But partly behind it is a website, ifixit.com. Now ifixit.com is kind of cool because one of the things they started doing was creating a forum where anybody could go out and say, hey, I have the JoJo Jones brand string trimmer and here are the symptoms I'm having when it doesn't start can anybody tell me how to fix this? And guess what? Anybody can come back and answer the question. I've done it a couple times myself. I find a couple of answers out there myself. Well, from this grew the idea that as the founders were looking around to say, how can we repair more stuff that we've got here? Consumer electronics, they kept having to buy new tools and more new tools to deal with all the different configurations. And so, they have created their own high-quality set of toolkits, and there are three assortments. I bought the fanciest one because, of course, this is stuff I work with all the time, and it was probably about $75, I think. All kinds of bits, a couple of different drives to run those bits, a convenient tray for working with parts in, the whole nine yards. So, you you might want to visit ifixit.com, even if you don't want to By the toolkits that they have out there. There are plenty of questions and answers you can learn from and you can talk about that right to repair movement out there as well. And then related to this, but this is a commercial enterprise, I just want you to know that it's out there. This is a company called RepairClinic.com. Now, RepairClinic.com is basically a giant warehouse full of parts. And I'm fortunate in my part of the the country, I actually live just a couple of miles from their warehouse. So, I could go online and say, hey, my dishwasher is out and I think I need a new control board for this to put in the door. And within a couple hours, they would have the proper part pulled for me and I could go into the front of the warehouse where there was just a little storefront type counter. Somebody would meet me there with the part I had ordered. And later the same day, I was back in business with my dishwasher. Now, of course, they have to ship if they don't have that part in stock or if you aren't lucky enough to live near them like I did, but they do ship nationwide. So that's great to know. And by the way, I want to remind you, none of these places that I'm mentioning are sponsors. I'm not getting a dime from any of them. I am just recommending these because I've had good experience with, with these places, these products, and it's part of the learning experience that I want to recommend to you. Well, where does the learning come in, Dean? Well, here's the deal. With repairclinic.com, you can go out and ask questions like, hey, how do I change out this item on my such and such product? For example, I had another problem on my string trimmer that I probably had caused myself and when I had to disassemble part of it and put it back together, there was a complete video showing everything I needed to do for the reassembly Of that uh, specific component on that string trimmer. And there are tons of items like that. There are exploded diagrams for tons of appliances. And so it's a place where you can really dig deep if you need to, to find exactly what you need and see how things work, see how they come apart, see how they go back together. And that's repairclinic.com. Again, none of these people or products that I mentioned are sponsors. It's a very small podcast. None of them even know I exist, honestly, right? This podcast is for your benefit so that you can learn, you can look out for yourself, you can promote your skills, and you can promote your career. One last thing I want to say before signing off. I just want to assure you that if you decide you want to learn some of these technologies we're talking about, you can I've met people who said, well, I'm not really very handy, and that may be true. I sometimes fumble things, drop things, and think, well, I'm not the most coordinated person, but little by little, as you start out with basics and progress, maybe with some good guidance, you can develop the skills that you want to get where you want to be. I just want to assure you of that, and you should keep on with that. All right, it's about time for me to sign off. But I want to encourage you, if you haven't already subscribed, please do that. If you know somebody that is interested in learning more about the technologies we're talking about, please don't forget us and recommend the podcast. If you have the ability to review the podcast on whatever platform you get us from, please do that as well. Don't forget that we do have that feedback form where you can send us a request. You can send us a question if you want, and there will be a link to that in the show notes as well. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you again next time. That's all we have for today. This is Dean saying thanks for listening, and we hope to have you back with us next time on Teachers to Tech.